I want to talk to you about the difference between a reaction and a response. What is the difference between a reaction and a response? Very interesting. Um, so many times when we feel, you know, any of us that are part of the teaching team, anytime we feel a sense of direction to a message, then so many times we have the opportunity to carry that message in an intercessory uh, capacity. And many times you don't even know what's, what's going on, but I had a really interesting uh, <clears throat> situation happen yesterday, and I was uh, away from home for the afternoon, came home. I came home telling Tracy of this situation where I had this reactionary mindset. Um, you know, somebody said something, and you know, type of a thing, and, and, uh, and, and she just looked at me and she said, what are you thinking? Like, why would you even think that way? Why, you know, and, and then she said something to this effect, man, you know, <laughs> how many of you guys, like, I mean, you know, there's sometimes there's just this, this man thing that, that uh, we want to have this, this sense of reaction, like don't mess with me, you know, type of a thing, and it was almost that type of thing. And, and it wasn't until this morning when I began to pray and realize I'm talking about the difference between a reaction and a response, and I was given completely to a reactionary mindset, and to the point of her question, what were you thinking? How many of you know that when you get in a reactionary mindset, you simply don't think? So what, you were, what were you thinking was a really valid question. In fact, you might not realize it, but science very clearly reveals that when we have an emotional reaction in our brains, um, then there is a, a flood of, um, of uh, like a cocktail of, of uh, these enzymes and, and these things that just flood our minds, literally. And, uh, and in doing so, your ability, your capacity to concentrate or think straight actually is reduced substantially. And uh, one study I read actually spoke of how reduced by 70% when you have an emotional reaction to a situation. How many of you ever had an emotional reaction to something and then you felt bad about it later because you thought, you know, I just wasn't being level-headed? And the reason that you perhaps did that is because you're functioning on less than half a brain when you allow yourself to get in an emotional reaction mindset. I mean, it's really kind of a wild scenario. When, um, when we're looking at this, I just, you know, you think about maybe uh, if you ever dated somebody. You remember those days of dating in your life. Some of you are there. Uh, but if you ever dated somebody and, uh, and then later you thought, what was I thinking? Anyone ever done that before? Like you married somebody and then, no, I'm just kidding. You, you dated somebody and you thought, you know, why in the world would I have ever dated this person? And, and here's, here's something that's really important for all of us to understand. I just want to speak this directly to singles. There is a dopamine reaction, infatuation chemical that actually uh, your brain starts to participate in. It's a sense of an emotional high that takes place when somebody is interested in you. And, and you. this is what leads to those marathon, hour-long phone calls, and you could talk longer, but you really got to go type of thing. It's this infatuation chemical. You're actually capable of having that chemical function in your brain for over a year before it finally ceases to function. How many times I have spoken with somebody, couples come in and they say, you know, we just used to be so in love. And the fact is, no, they used to be 
chemically induced to an emotional feeling that was coming from a euphoric expression out of the brain. And sometimes it's time to grow up and let your, your love mature. I don't know if you know or not, but love is not a feeling. Love comes with feelings, good and bad, but love is not a feeling. Love is true devotion, sacrificial commitment, a sense of what God is desiring. That, I mean, there's nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship fighting to get the chemical back, and there's nothing more beautiful than two servants in love that are devoting themselves to sacrificially serving the other. Can I get an amen? Very important that we understand the plans of God. So here's what I want to say relationally in terms of reaction or response. Just because there's chemistry doesn't mean there's destiny. Pause, pray, and listen to what God has to say. There will be chemistry after you're married to people you're not married to. There'll be a sense of chemistry. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're talking about destiny. Really, not living in a state of reaction, but learning a purposed, spirit-led response in the way we walk this out. Reaction is the way of the world. You hit me, you punch me, and I will punch you back. That's reaction. Anybody ever been there before? You cut me off in traffic. How many of you know that happens? And you, it's easy just to have that, like... And then, like, the Bible says not to punch them back. The Bible says to do what? Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. Anyone ever turned the other cheek before? It is no fun to turn the other Like, they slap you, you turn the other cheek, and they slap you again, and you turn the other cheek. And they slap you. They, it's like, Lord, I only got four cheeks, and they slapped them all. Every one of them been slapped in this situation. I mean, you, you have to understand that God is bigger than the circumstance that's coming your way, and a reaction will never take you to where God desires for you to go. We must learn to pause and consider and have a spiritual response rather than just a physical, mental, emotional, political reaction. You will never turn the other cheek unless you learn how to elevate your perspective from a human reaction to a spiritual response. And I just want to challenge you in this because I want to do something really special to me this morning. I, I, want, to, I want to walk you through a couple of things, and, and then I want to talk about legacy, and then I want to just make this little presentation in kind of a personal way. Uh, but a response, not just living in a state of reaction, but in a response, what happens is we start to cultivate a spiritual atmosphere. How I many you know a person who's mature enough to have a response has an entirely different atmosphere about their life than a person who's immature and they have reaction? And a person who learns to pause and not just unhinge their mouth and say whatever comes to mind, people say, well, that's just how I am. Well, you need to not be how you are. You need to be like Jesus. Stop being like you are and start being like Jesus is and allow him to define you and who he's designed you to be. And so... When you're unhinged and you're in that state and what's happening is God's trying to define something deeper in you so that your life can have a sense of maturity and a sense of God's blessing. Not just your life, but everybody say the word legacy. I just want to challenge you in this and I just think it is so important that we learn to respond with our love, our serve, and our give. So many times there's a reactionary element. 
and I'll, I'll love if, if I'm loved. The Bible says anybody can do that. But can you love the unlovable? Can you bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you? I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. Our loving, our serving, can you serve others and really wish them the best, even when they've spoken ill against you? Giving. This is significant to what uh, we're going to talk to today. And I kind of wrestled with it because what I'm about to say to you can just be so abused in pulpits uh, around the world. But I want to say to you, God wants to activate and awaken the prophetic in your life. And there's something about having your heart positioned correctly for him to begin to entrust to your care these spiritual gifts that he pours out on all flesh. I think I mentioned last week, uh, Mike Bickle in an interview was asked, you know, why isn't there just mass healings taking place? And he said, you know, Jesus would do miracles and then slip off into the crowd and nobody would know who did it. If any of us were to do a miracle, we would want to immediately begin to elevate our profile and draw people to us. He said, maybe the church just isn't spiritually mature enough to handle what God truly desires to do. And I just want to say, how many of you want to hear the voice of God? I want to hear the voice of God. I want to walk in the Spirit of God in such a powerful and profound way. But what happens when that takes place, if my heart's not right before Him, then it can immediately lead to pride and arrogance and perspectives that are justifiable in the society in which we live and even applaudable in the way that we serve in our society. But hear me loud and clear because I said love, serve, and give. And I want to challenge you to see these things from a perspective of worship. And you might just study this out this week because, uh, again, this is where the abuse could come in. And I just want to have my heart before the Lord as I say to you, where your treasure is, your heart will be. And if you want your heart to be right, then you need to bring God's treasure into the kingdom of God because that is an expression of worship. And if you withhold your treasure from the kingdom of God, what do you think is happening to your heart? Not just in your life, but in your legacy. And if you look at Genesis 15, it's really interesting because God shows up and brings this prophetic wave of promise to Abram. And it says, after these things, God showed up and gave him his promise. After these things. It was right after Abraham worshipped with his giving as a tithe. And then I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And then I, I realized that Solomon, when he brought sacrificial offerings before the Lord, right after that moment, that's when God showed up and said, ask for anything and I'll give it to you. Do you think there might be a correlation between the prophetic revelation God wants to pour out in your life and the faithfulness to worship God with the material goods that come into your life as an expression of worship that postures your treasure where it needs to be so that your heart will follow because the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will go. Just you might as well amen me on this because it's all Bible. Now, all that to say, I don't want to abuse that in any way, and I want you to have your heart right before the Lord. Don't give out of any perspective of being com you know, compelled to do so. Bring that before God. If this is a struggle in your life, and it's a struggle in many people's lives, and I understand that struggle. We, Tracy and I, have had to walk through those struggles in early years to get that right, and then it's just like an outpouring of God begins to happen in every way when we honor Him with our giving. And so... Legacy is an important element of this, and I just felt that this morning as a declaration of a prophetic um, revelation for all of us to embrace. I want to make a presentation because, um, you know, my girls were both probably barely double digits, and it's when we decided to do the Turn the Page Challenge, and that was born from a desire as a dad to see my children grow up and be in the Word. 
and I could have devotions and you know, require them to bring their Bibles and read there. Um, but what I did was I simply got them started and I said, listen, you don't have to understand, but if you'll just get in, open the Bible every day and write the date at the top of the page, then anything that's happening on birthday, whatever, write it on your Bible and then just start at Genesis. And when you read stuff you don't understand, it's okay. Just turn that page and just thank God that he's been with you because of your desire. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they'll be filled. Amen? And so I just encouraged them in that. And you know what happened? Like they started in the book of Genesis and then they finished the book of Genesis and it was like a video game level. Like if I can beat that level, I can beat another. And it just was this progression. We never even said anything to them again. And they read all the way through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Um, and, and now Faith came to me and she said, you know, I want to read the chronological Bible. She's actually gone through, I'm 20 years old now, and I'm proud of both of my girls sitting here on the front row. Um, but Faith was saying, you know, she's now read through three Bibles by the age of 20, uh, three times through Scripture, and she wants the chronological so she can see what's going on in all of this. I'm not saying any of that to, to brag. I'm saying that to encourage you. Let's engage in a level of pursuing God in a way that awakens legacy. So I happen to have read a chronological Bible, and uh, I went back and looked at it, and it's from 2013 to 2016. It takes me about three years to go through a Bible uh, like that. And, and when you do this, you just start stacking up Bibles over the course of 15 years of your life of seeking God and doing this. You've got this incredible journal. And so I want to present this Bible to my oldest daughter, Faith, this morning as a declaration to our church family that God is activating and awakening something in every one of our legacy of a profound persuasion. You, you all right with that? We do that. Faith, I want you just to come up here, and I'm just going to declare to you as I present this to you that the Holy Spirit began to speak to me this morning. Uh, you've been a gifted communicator since you were a little child. Adults, when you were three, four, five years old, would say to me, um, she speaks like an adult, and you've always been a gifted communicator. And I know <clears throat> that in this season, God is enlarging your communication gift in a powerful and profound way, not just in your ability to speak, but in your ability to speak that which is from heaven that's born through your heart. So I commission this to you, and I just say, Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would awaken the hearts of our sons and daughters, that our sons and daughters would begin to prophesy that a hunger for your word would increase. I believe this is a season of time that we're entering in where our sons and daughters will have an increased appetite for the things of God and they will see that modeled in our lives and because of our sacrificial actions it will be unlocked within them in Jesus mighty name amen and amen you and I are designed to live in the deeper reality of God and we need to raise up the next generation to understand the deeper reality of God. It's not about convenience, it's about a sacrificial lifestyle, it's about consecration. It's about availing ourselves to the greater purposes rather than just the purposes that exist around us. This gives a resource, uh, when we learn to do this in our lives, this gives a resource from which we can draw um, so that circumstances and situations don't have to hold our perspective hostage. Behold the perspective of God. No matter what the storm may be, behold the perspective of God. No matter how challenging the times are, behold the perspective of God. How I many of you know God has an opinion about your situation? I had somebody from out of state send a message this morning, and they said, uh, you know, we, they watch online every week online with us now, 
and so thankful for our online community. And they began to share there's a prayer need uh, situation and, and just began to, uh, you know, as I got that, I was actually driving and my, my phone reads my text messages to me and I'm listening to it. Lexi's in the car with me. And as I heard it, I just felt the Lord gave me a specific word immediately to respond that we began to declare. I believe that in every situation, in every circumstance you will ever face, God has an opinion. And if we live in a state of reaction, we rarely discover God's opinion when we learn to live in a state of response it's because we've listened to God's opinion how many of you believe God's uh, opinion leading to your response is miles ahead of our reactionary just reactionary perspective I mean we need to hear the Lord and whatever's going on whatever challenge may come our way so I want you to think about this with me today and we're going to look at several portions of scripture but the gospels speak many times of how Jesus would look to heaven when he prayed. I don't know if you've ever noticed it or not, but when you're reading through the Gospels, there'll just be these constant little places, and it says Jesus just stopped and he looked to heaven when he began to pray. When he fed the 5,000, it was like, there is no way this can happen. I mean, you know I'm driving at something here. When you find yourself in an impossible situation, there's no way this can happen. It's because you are not lifting your countenance. You're, you're allowing uh, an earthly reaction rather than a heavenly response. Jesus lifted his eyes, and five loaves and two fish were enough to feed a multitude of people when he allowed God's opinion to prevail in his situation. So constantly he's looking up. This posture demonstrates that we know where our help comes from. We're looking to the Father for this. It's almost like we're looking to the Father eye to eye. You know, when you look somebody in the eye, it just gives this sense of confidence, this sense of honesty, transparency. Just look them in the eye when you're having a conversation. That's kind of what this is. It's lifting your countenance, looking God in the eyes because you know where your help comes from. Psalms 112, 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I, I just felt as I was in preparation that there are some people today that are on this campus, that are online with us, and you are sensing that there have been circumstances that have almost put a, a ceiling on your faith. And God today wants to rip the ceiling off. It's not over until God says it's over. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above and beyond. Come on, he wants to do something supernatural in our lives if we will trust him for it. This lifting our eyes as Jesus did, it's a posture of faith and confidence in the greater power of our heavenly Father. The scripture says in John chapter 11, verses 41 and following, they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. And Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He lifted his eyes and derived confidence in an eye-to-eye, face-to-face encounter with God the Father and literally spoke life into a space of death and death had to retreat because life invaded the situation. I'm speaking healing in Jesus' mighty name. I want more medically documented miracles in the house. I want more children standing saying, God spoke to me and I addressed my fears. I want more children rising up and declaring, I refuse not to love myself because God says that I'm to love myself. I want more people prophesying as a way of life because we've learned to listen to the Spirit of God in the way we live every single day. The 
This is an expression, lifting our eyes to him, this is an expression of intimate relationship with God. Jesus prayed the night before he was crucified. John chapter 17 says, Jesus looked toward the heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. This state of, of confidence, glorify your son that your son may glorify you, honor you, Lord. Now, I want you to think about it because it's very important when we start talking about this journey of being led by the Spirit that we not just have a mindset of um, irresponsible, lack of listening, shotgun, try it out, just, you know, excuse me, I'm in Walmart, I'm going to grab that microphone and just give a shout out over the microphone. Can I just tell you, the Lord might actually ask you to do that, but unless he does, don't. That's wisdom. I don't want to create a spiritual reaction in you. I want to cultivate a spiritual response. So don't just give even to what I'm saying today a spiritual reaction to it where you're just going to go out and and try to prophesy to everybody. Learn to listen. Sharing the gospel is so natural because sharing the gospel is simply paying attention to the compassion God births in your life for the people in the five-foot circle around you and then following those promptings every step of the way. And, and, and God will give you those promptings. But Jesus himself said he didn't speak from his own initiative. That might surprise you. Like we think sometimes, well, of course Jesus did the stuff he did. He's Jesus. But Jesus did the stuff he did to set the example and to model what you and I are supposed to do. In fact, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Be led by the Spirit. Get into the Word and let the spirit of prophecy come upon you. Spend time in prayer where you're listening and practicing the spiritual gifts. It's been great, our Wednesday night classes on the Holy Spirit that are taking place. Those are happening on our Facebook. If you're not able to be here or you don't want to be on campus, it's fine. Tune in on the Destiny uh, Facebook page. And we're just talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and His power and anointing. This Wednesday, we really start to dig into what it is to cooperate with that. And I challenge you to know that we're going to conclude these um, weeks of the Holy Spirit message with a, a worship night. And that is, somebody tell me the date. I forgot to put it in my notes. But a worship night on a Wednesday night in what, two weeks? August 5th. Give me five, everybody. Uh, August 5th. That's what we're going to do. Uh, I was just about to say that before somebody shouted it. I heard the Lord say August 5th, and so he uses people to speak sometimes. So on August the 5th, we're going to gather in this room. The youth will be in here, all the adults, and we're going to have a time of worship and prayer and prophetic. I believe God's going to unlock that atmosphere in our lives. Is anybody hungry for more of this? Jesus didn't do what he did because Jesus is God. Jesus did what he did because God became man and exemplified what it is to be obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the way that man would walk. Jesus said this himself, John 8, 28, I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. What I'm saying is not coming from my own reaction. What I'm saying is coming as a spiritual response to what the Holy Spirit is choosing to reveal according to the will and the plan of the Father. He went on and said in John chapter 12, verse 49, I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. 
Now, that's interesting, and then I found this other scripture. I've just been exploring this. I found this other scripture, and I was surprised, and probably surprised you, the Holy Spirit doesn't even speak on his own. John chapter 16, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will tell you what is yet to come. It is normal Christian living for us to live as a prophetic company sensing what God is doing in the next season of our lives. I remember... um, Jason one time was sharing with me, and it's been years now, and I'm trying to remember now how this story goes. You'll have to correct me a little bit, or you can give me a nod of affirmation if it's correct. He's nervous right now. He's not sure what I'm going to say. <laughs> nod, of, nod of nervousness there. But, but I remember that he was in a scenario where um, his, his boss was being very problematic, not the problem anybody in our church ever faces on our staff, but his boss was being very problematic. And when his boss was being problematic, he just began to pray about uh, how to manage that. And the Lord just gave him direction to stay the course and walk it out. And something interesting happened. His boss suddenly uh, became his employee, and God turned that situation around. That's right, in the way that happened. And so God revealed to him that which was going to take place. There have been times that he shared with me, the Lord said there's about to be a transition in my, uh, in my career. And then I would watch three to six months, and a transition in his career would begin to take place. Do you understand this is normal Christian living? Like, we shouldn't walk around like normal human beings walking on the planet without their spiritual software downloaded because our spiritual software is downloaded. Do you know what it was like to encounter Jesus when you first accepted the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you remember? Like, I went from spiritual death to spiritual life. I remember thinking, this is crazy. This is amazing. I opened my Bible, and I was like, all of a sudden, like, I have this appetite for this truth and something in me being transformed. And, like, I, I invited all my drug friends over to my apartment, and I had my tackle box, a fishing box, and I opened it up, and I had all the pills in the top trays and, and my pot and other things in the bottom tray, and all the people were there. And, and, and I said, guys, I just want to tell you, I have encountered God. And I took my tackle box. I was in the bathroom, and they were standing in the hallway. I took my tackle box and dumped it in the toilet and flushed all that. And they were all like, oh, they were so distraught. And one of them said to me, it's a, it's a season. It'll pass. I want you to know, that was 1986, and it hadn't passed. <laughs> I'm hungry for more of God than I ever have been in my life. I'm tired of searching for the false high that the world has to offer when I was actually designed to experience a deeper place of encountering God Almighty. Nothing can ever take the place of the design that God's placed within us. We can live from a place of inferior information or we can live from a place of superior information. And the more you get into the Word and spend time in prayer, the more you are exposed to superior information as a way of life. That's what transforms who you are. Not try and convince you to be moral and religious and, and, and you know, be good. It's not those things. It's getting into the presence of God. Anybody know what the mission of our church family is? We bring God's presence to real life. 
That's what that GP2RL thing is at the end of every message. There's an action point where we take what God has revealed, we've experienced God's presence, and then we want to bring that to real life in the way we walk this thing out every single day. Normal Christianity is to be led by the Spirit in the way you're walking this up. So last week, something interesting happened. Katie Baffert was sharing this in our staff meeting. And um, her husband, Jason Baffrey, he's, a, he's an incredible uh, voice, used to be a, uh, an announcer on a national level in, um, in racing. He was, he was the kind of guy that was such a known announcer. When he came down from announcing a race, people stood there wanting his autograph. No, no exaggeration. Um, and so he was in um, Sturgis, South Dakota, right, at, at a big race this last week. And while he's out there, a professional racer, one of the racers began to have a conversation with him. And this was one week ago today. In fact, he text messaged Katie and he said, hey, pray. This guy, we started having a conversation and I think he wants to accept Christ. And so she then is over in the kids' ministry area, and the kids all pray. It's right before they're going to camp, and they're already ramped up anyway. And they all start praying and asking God to intervene. And Jason actually got to lead that professional racer to Christ this past Sunday. He came to know Jesus in that moment in time. I'm believing for more of that. I'm hearing story after story of people in our church that are carrying a powerful expression of what God's desiring to demonstrate and other people getting exposed to that and coming more into alignment with a deeper hunger and appetite for the things of the Spirit. Jana Spears is um, probably a second service attender today, but she posted on Facebook that she, um, she's an Uber driver sometimes and decided she'd go do a little Uber driving. This happened just two nights ago, I believe, and so she's, she's driving, and she picks up this girl who's like 20 years old, pretty crazy situation if you want to read about it on her, her Facebook page, but, but bottom line, she's an Uber driver, picked up this girl, and she's driving down the road, and she feels like the Holy Spirit says uh, that she's to talk to her about kids, about her kids, address her as a mom, and she describes in this online uh, that she's like... I, I, I mean, she said, oh, Lord, no, don't, don't, don't make me do that. And then she begins to rationalize with the Lord. Anybody ever rationalize with God when he's been speaking to you? It's as if he didn't count all the costs, and then he's like, oh, I didn't think about that. Okay, never mind. Like, he's not going to do that, okay? And so she, she's you know, driving, and, and, and she's thinking about this, and, and then she, she literally says, oh, God, she was so nervous. But she's been going to the, the Holy Spirit class on Wednesday night, and she's hungry to try and put this into practice and so she's listening and if there's a prompting she's trying to pay attention and she she and she literally explained in her her uh, story she wrote it she said lord please don't make me do this because if this young girl who doesn't appear to be old enough to even have kids doesn't have kids then it's gonna make both you and me look like a fool that's what she said <laughs> i mean you no know, god's not worried about his reputation <laughs> And so she gets to her, her place where she's going to stop, and she just uh, she says, I almost stopped breathing. I thought I was going to pass out. How many know the Spirit-led life is a lot like what I'm talking about? Like, I just want you to understand, the reason this story is so important to me to share is because many times we preachers get up and we preach, and I just rose up and the Spirit of the Lord said, and I said, everybody fell down, hallelujah. You understand? That, that's just like, don't, I, I want to be real life. I am nervous.
nervous as all get out when God speaks something to me to go and share to somebody who I don't even know if they're a Christian. And many times I'll go up to them and I'll say something like, I, I know you may think I'm totally crazy and I don't know what you believe about God, but, but I just felt like I was supposed to share this with you and I'm nervous about it. And so really I identified with this as she said, just nervously, the, the, the ride was, was concluding, the girl picks up her stuff and is about to get out of the car and she finally just bellowed out and said, I felt, this might sound crazy, but I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to say something to you as a mom that your children are going to be all right. And she said she almost blacked out. She was dizzied, so nervous. <laughs> and the girl put her things down in the chair dropped her face into her knees and began to sob in that Uber car. And the circumstances were extenuating and she explained all why that was so significant for her. But I just want to say this. God wants to awaken this in this hour of the church where we learn to pray attention as a way of life. We learn to pray attention as a way of life. Paul chastises the Corinthians church. He says, you are acting like mere men. He's, he's saying, you're acting like you don't have supernatural powers. You do. So stop living a normal human life and learn to pay attention to the promptings and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Look up. Look up. No matter what the circumstances may be, the tomb sealed, Lazarus is dead, look up. Provision doesn't seem to be there. I just can't do what God's asking me to do. All these people are hungry, look up. I don't feel like I have a sense of confidence, look up. I want you to understand something. As a church, there is nothing deeper than what I'm saying to you today at the core of our existence. And we want to walk you step by step through this as best we can as a family. So when we're looking at this, I just want to challenge you on that first Sunday in August, if you are new to us, if you're new online, then I want you to text DESTINY to the number that's on your screen. Fill out a Connect card. Let us connect with you. Let us help you walk this thing out. If you're new or if you're here, you say, you know, I just haven't really been able to find my place, how to, get, how to make a connection. You have to understand, God speaks in family format. He, he told, Jesus told the disciples, when you pray, say, Our our father it's very important that you find your place of relational connection and community you're created in the image of trinity god trinity god is a community in and of himself in the image of community god we're created therefore we're incomplete without community and we need each other more desperately than any of us could realize so we're going to walk through, we're going to do this Discovering Destiny on August the 2nd, on a Sunday between the two services to explain the six weeks that's coming starting August the 12th on Wednesday, where we just help you understand you 
and we talk about who we are as a church family and how to get from where we are to where God desires us to be in the next stage, in the next step of life as a part of learning to walk by the Spirit. stand together I want us just to press in and experience his presence together today have I mentioned the spirit of prophecy is in the room you believe all this Businessmen and businesswomen should negotiate business contracts according to the leadership and promptings of the Holy Spirit. When it looks like it's time to close a deal and the Holy Spirit says, leave it alone, then leave it alone and walk away. When it looks like the deal's not going to go through and the Holy Spirit says, close the deal, then regardless of what anybody else says, just keep pursuing and exploring it. And sometimes you walk right up to the closed door before the door opens and suddenly all glory goes to God. I want to make room for us to experience God's presence today in a very intentional way. Our prayer team's going to be available in just a moment, but I want, to, I want our prayer team to experience this first. And if you uh, want prayer as we continue then into worship, you can step right out in the lobby. The team will be out there, and I'll dismiss the team in just a moment. But I want to read through a portion of Scripture before we get there. And I want to read through it, praying it. I want to encourage you to pray scripture. You release something in your life when you do this. Pray, I'm going to pray the scripture phrase by phrase, verse by verse. I just want you to receive it. I want you to receive it. First Corinthians 2, 9 to 16. No human mind has conceived the things God has prepared. For those who love him these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit Lord we just stand together right now saying none of us in this room have this all figured out all of us in this room are at different places and stages in our journey and I believe that you're inviting every one of us into an accelerated pace of exploring what it is you're desiring to reveal by your spirit. Help us, Lord, to respond to the spirit in Jesus' mighty name. Verse 10, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? Lord, help us to understand that unless our spirits are alive, then our minds will deceive us and confuse us. Every one of us needs Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We must accept the cross of Jesus Christ as the ultimate declaration of redemption of all humanity. And when we do that, we come spiritually alive and suddenly we begin to understand our thoughts because our spirit is alive. We begin to live with greater clarity. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God 
has freely given us. And Lord, I just thank you that by your spirit, when our spirits come alive, as we're created in your trinity image, body, soul, and spirit, when our spirits come alive, we then can commune with you and receive what you are desiring to reveal in Jesus' mighty name. Verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Lord, I thank you that we have an understanding of spiritual realities that are beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. And I pray, Lord, we would learn to understand and recognize that there'll be times that you'll call us beyond our comprehension to take steps of faith as we pay attention to you. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. But the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. Such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. Are you hearing this? Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Verse 16, but we have the mind have the mind of Christ. Thank you that we know the thoughts of God. Thank you that our spirits are alive when we embrace the love and the life of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, I've never done this before, but I just sense the Lord saying that somebody is actually tuned in online and they've heard a portion of today's message and they're not born again. And I just want to say, uh, whether anybody in this room as well or who that is online, that you would respond to the cross of Christ and the love of Jesus and give your life to him today. I want to ask all of us just to pray this prayer of availing ourselves to him. It's an introductory communication that launches us into a place of conversation with God for the rest of our lives. Everybody say with me, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. You came, you lived, you died, but you're alive. I accept you're the Savior of the world, and I need you as my Savior to redeem my life. Lead me by your Spirit now that I'm spiritually alive. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, Lord.